Hi all, it's Craig, one half of the Verging on Greatness podcast. I also have a cold. Just before we get started with your regularly scheduled podcast, I just wanted to make a correction up top. Whilst recording, I referred, severally, to the composers of the score, John Debney and Joseph Trepanese being the songwriters. Anyone who knows better listening will basically hear that like fingernails down a chalkboard, which is a reference that really dates me, I know. Pasek and Paul are the songwriting duo who are responsible for all those toe-tapping musical numbers that arguably made The Greatest Showman such a success. If you don't know them by their names, they are basically musical theatre royalty at this stage, having written the music for the smash hit Dear Evan Hansen and another song and dance film La La Land, which is an Academy Award nominated and winning film that's not even a little bit controversial. That said, and my dignity suitably rescued for another day. On with the show. Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Orkfeld and Craig Cerventi. to this um welcome to a podcast called verging on greatness a podcast where me mike and my friend craig hi craig hi mike we talk about a movie one a week one a month one whenever we get around to doing it we've been a bit slack lately um but with you know pandemics and all um uh, we talk about a movie though where it's it is verging on greatness it's not quite there but there's 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 some reason something sticking out where where it's not quite nailing it and you just you just it just leaves you cold and we try and figure out what is it what's the little tweak that they could have made that would have made this work uh and this uh episode is about uh this is one of the more recent ones we've ever done where we're, we're diving out of the 80s and 90s and into 2017 uh just a yeah few wow welcome to the ago. future folks yeah pre yeah. pre pre covid 2017 trump was in office pre covid um, trump is in office yeah it was all everything was everything was um pretty weird freshly in, in office in 2017 too. yeah 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 he was yeah. he was he was fresh, it was first fresh year of his first, first year. year yeah um uh and so the oh, great those the, days the greatest showman <laughs> the greatest um, showman came out and so this oh is the God. end end came out at the end of 2017 december yeah it came out in december of 2020 uh 2017 and so um it, it it's in cinemas for 2018 but yeah like do you know any musical theater people we're we're of the theater but do you know any specifically do you know any musical theater people no no musicals they freaking love this away. shit really <laughs> oh yeah they go for it um i i i I knew some musical theater people um around the time that this movie came out and uh they fucking loved it really is it yeah why yeah i don't know why but well i know why i guess um, like yeah they it's a as as i mean the, the movie i most associated it with which is the only other probably the only other like live action musical i have seen unless you count something like the blues brothers is um chicago which is a okay is that the only 
movie musical that you've seen uh, or that you can equate it to a chicago uh that's that's the one that's the, that's the most obvious um, right kin a kin movie okay. to the greatest showman to me right yeah, movie musicals used to be a really huge thing. It used to be the dominant form of entertainment in yeah. in, um, in Hollywood. But it's like, like they are, in terms they of, were the comic book movies of their day. Yeah, like, in, in terms of modern modern movie musicals, and I'm and I'm th- talking live action musicals here. And I'm not counting right, the, right. You're not counting your, your Frozen's and your Moana's. Um, Fine. This is yeah. This in, this in Chicago, and which oh gosh, when was Chicago? Like ninety nine. So they're about oh, twenty years gosh. apart. Yeah, um, but there's they a come real, out every now and again, right? There's a like real they, theatrics. They, they, there's there's a, a, yeah, a, a theatrical element to it beyond just a musical where they're dancing in the street. It feels that they've created a sense because it is set in a show. There's a sense that the musical numbers are getting performed on a stage, as with Chicago. Right. Chicago, right. they go right down to like actually using ribbons for blood. They do, and it and it presents this heightened reality as well. So, um, I mean, gosh, I've I've seen quite a few movie musicals. Um, in fact, I think I think I've seen at least two this year. Um, the one that I've seen is In the Heights, which is the Lin Manuel Miranda um, musical that he did before he got uber famous with Hamilton. Um, and I've seen Hamilton. I've seen the the live the live action. A recording of Hamilton, um, which was on Disney Plus. If you haven't seen that, I, I think I've also seen um, this year alone. I think I've seen Hairspray, uh, the most recent movie musical adaptation, uh, which is a weird, which is a weird turnaround. Uh, Hairspray, if you haven't seen it, is a movie that was turned into a stage musical uh, based on the movie, which was then turned into a movie based on the stage musical based on the movie. Uh, so uh, one of those rare occurrences where it's like the producers where the, mm. the stage musical is based on the, the non-musical movie which then had a movie <laughs> musical made of the stage musical based on the non-musical movie like the Spider-Man meme like a Spider-Man meme with them standing around pointing at each other um, you're based on me no you're not um, but uh, yeah so movie musicals um, interesting interesting um, uh, interesting dilemma uh, like you say uh, Chicago streamers for blood um, so how do you present that reality of the movie musical in some kind of cognizant crowd-pleasing way right yeah. how do you how do you how do you present the song so, yeah, I think Chicago is, is a good example of a film that does that well oh yeah I I love Chicago and I, I like I say I do not I, I mean when do you, you when love you, Chicago? When you never watch you? when you never watch musicals, then you you don't really like. I don't know. I don't have many other ones. To, I, it's hard to say I don't like them because I never watch them. But I never watch them, so I guess I don't. My, like, I guess I don't like them much. Loves musicals. She absolutely makes me go to all the musicals on the West End. Yes, yeah. um, I think I've seen all the major ones that have come out. Uh, some are better than others. I'm not going to lie. Some of them have got toe tapping numbers, but. Um, Greatest Showman certainly has some toe tapping numbers. Um, Does it? But <laughs> Mike Mike lives on a, a, a fairly steady stream of classic rock. Uh, <laughs> <so> you know, <laughs> he might not find the pop sensibilities of the Greatest Showman to his taste. I but yeah. Uh, I I guess we getting... certainly had singles that went on the radio. Like I think I like I I saw this film um, advertised to come out in cinemas, and I was like, yeah, that's 
yeah, Hugh Jackman, unless he's growling and and pretending to be Wolverine, I'm really not that interested in him. Um, <laughs> unless but, he's got knives uh, I, in his fucking hands. Yeah, unless he's got knives coming out of his hands. I don't care. Um, <laughs> or if he's pretending to be a hacker. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I did not. I did not go to this movie. But I knew the music from this movie because it was all over the radio all the time. Really? Um, and okay. Like I said, I, I associated with uh, with I, with some music theater people, and you could not get away from the freaking soundtrack to this movie. It was everywhere. Okay, um, you're you're maybe really... you could, Mike, but oh yeah, I, yeah, I was miles away from it, and I I never. Um... Uh, yeah, my first impression of the music from this was that every song sounds just the same. Every song sounds like the upbeat finale, um, right? Uh, and 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 that's I guess that's what they're trying like they're trying to make it a, a showy song and dance movie. It's a musical. That's what you do. But I, I yeah, I couldn't really pick one song from the next. I found they all sounded, and maybe that's uh, yeah, that's my my musical sensibility is is nowhere near nowhere near that pop genre right that pops yeah that pop genre pretty pretty heavy and on the rock and metal side right um but then i dug chicago man maybe that's maybe that's chicago's obviously that's more it's definitely chicago is definitely more of a classic sound yeah 20s and 30s kind of um big band swing swing music type of sound where this the music in this is is it's 2017 pop music and again if you're not if you're not into that kind of thing i think you're going to probably find this to be a bit of a struggle um but it is it is definitely um pop sensible it's radio friendly it's um and to be honest with you i'm surprised it hasn't already been turned into a west end or or um a West End musical already, um, or a Broadway musical already in that style, because it all lends itself very much to, you know, crowd pleasing, you know, foot stamping, um, you know, good time, fun, fun night out concert films, uh, or concert, concert sort of, sort of shows. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, I'm not, I'm not much of a musical person, but I, I thought the music was fun at the very least. I enjoyed, I didn't hate it. Um, which isn't to say Chicago wasn't fun. Chicago, I mean, Chicago is Academy Award winner. I was just thinking of another movie musical that I had seen in the last in the last two years. I saw the I saw the film adaptation of Cats. Uh, which, um, <laughs> if you want to know what if you want, if you ever wanted to know what taking drugs is like, try watching Cats um, because that's a mind altering experience. So. <laughs> which is, I mean, this isn't the Cats podcast, but it could very well become the Cats podcast um surprise y'all um but um if you haven't seen the stage adaptation if you haven't seen the actual musical and you're going into cats expecting it to be chicago because i'm pretty sure it's the i'm pretty sure the creative team behind chicago is is the same that that same guy did another musical adaptation that was highly successful um i forget the name right now uh this isn't the cats podcast um but uh, I think a lot of people went into Cats expecting it to be this this um, cognizant, cogent, um, um, tight musical, and it's not. That's not what Cats is. Cats is a bonkers stage show uh, that you go for um, 
you go from memories and if they put memories at the the closer of the first act no one would come back after the cur- no one would come back after the second half or after the interval because you've heard memories you can leave now mm. um, and they very wisely put that showstopper at the end of the film uh, at the end of the show because that's what people go for um, but regardless back to the greatest showman um, so greatest showman so um so music so in case you haven't seen it we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie oh um, sure sure <laughs> yeah so all right Spoiler so, alert, div- so divided divided on the music but i'm aware that i'm aware that i'm bringing my own sensibility to my my judgments sure, on sure. The music so we can we can move on from that um and talk about well what do you, what do you want to talk about next we talk about the cast oh my god so i have uh, unlike me I have, I have a page and a bit of notes on this film so uh, it was either really good or really bad. I'm not really sure which. But um, but uh, I think, first off, I think there was a real element of uh, audience versus critic sort of um, controversy around this, where the, um, where the audience loved this film on Rotten Tomatoes and the critics hated it. Oh, so, really? Um, I love that sort of film. Um, it's, <laughs> it's become more and it's become more and more um, prevalent these days with like DC comic book films where the critics hate them and the audience score is usually Mm. abnormally high um and that always makes me super suspicious of the film in in itself because um like that that looks like review bombing to me i was just going to bring up the um the uh the greatest showman on rotten tomatoes but i think it gets a pretty low um audio uh review a professional review score but an abnormally high um audience score uh the greatest uh, i can spell i can spell people it's true um here we go um yeah i think it's it's certified fresh from the audience but um it's it's yeah it's 57 percent tomato meter 86 percent audience score so the audience loved this movie a whole lot more than the critics so which the, i think is the one thing i mean the, the obvious thing that probably stands out there that might be influencing the critics' judgments, um, and and we can we can go into this and, and touch on this for a little bit. Um, and and I think from our from our pre-recording chat, you know a bit more about this than me. But uh, it seems there's a, a certain degree of license taken with the truth about oh God, the main yeah. character, P.T. Barnum. Um, yeah. So um, which is something that the... might critic, critics might have judged it a little more harshly. Than, than the public in that regard, either because they knew more about him or just or that they, they cared and the audience didn't. Oh, he was, yeah, he was certainly the, the worst kind of opportunist there was. Um, so he was like one of these guys, um, I, I don't think he actually became any kind of success until he was into his 60s. But uh, effectively, he, he started this museum, um, and just like the film, um, but they gloss over some of the, the, um, the more... Uh, disturbing elements like he he literally one of the first exhibits he buys is is the supposed 160 year old woman where where she was a a black african-american woman um and she uh she was a slave and he bought her and put her on display uh for for 12 hours a day um six or seven days a week um and then when she died and it turned out she wasn't 160 years old shocker she was maybe closer to 80 uh, he performed a live autopsy of her body that people could pay to get into. So this is the kind of reprehensible person we're talking about here, where a, a, a live autopsy that you sell tickets to was was the kind of thing he was willing to do. Um, so I mean, but that's that's P.T. Barnum, and like never never um, 
never let it be said that P.T. Barnum didn't take an opportunity to turn something into a moneymaker because, by God, he did. That, um, that sounds like the sort of thing where, like, even people in the 1880s or whenever it was that P.T. Barnum was. Yeah, alive, when, like, when it even, happened. That must have raised eyebrows even then. Like I think it did. Um, but that he, he was certainly certainly not shy about controversy and and he he recognized very early on he's definitely the the person that probably recognized first that any publicity is good publicity good or bad Hmm. so long as your name is out in front of it um so he 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 is just an awful person um and he certainly was um, very quick to capitalize on the the misery of others and um like you know capitalize on on people who who didn't have anything else going for them so the movie kind of glosses over it and there's a line about um people will laugh at me um and he says well they're laughing at you now you may as well get paid um and so it's this whole idea of like well you know you've got all this misfortune you may as well profit from it um and so that's what he does but yeah he's he's buying kids um he's putting kids into press gang like the the real bearded uh, woman was it was a a young girl when she first came to P.T. Barnum, so she was a child, um, and so he put her into work for the rest of her life as this bearded lady. Mm. Um, and and the same with the the dog boy. I, th- mm. I think he was also a young child when he came to P.T. Barnum. So um, and and General Tom Thumb, um, all 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 based on real people. Mm. Um, but the movie sort of um, glosses it up with a song and a dance number. Uh, makes everyone fun you know they got to meet the queen of england which they didn't in real life um and i think the the best the best um the best criticism and i i really don't know who to credit for it so apologies i'm not trying to take it as my own criticism the greatest line about i heard about this was pt barnum would have approved of this film and that's why you shouldn't like it um <laughs> because it's this glossing over of history or, or or rather not even glossing over this is this is like completely retelling history and like recasting him in this rags to riches, um, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of um, idealized um, fantasy version of the real person who who was anything but um, a nice person and by all accounts a bit of a bastard. Um, but he he does he does idealize that sort of um, that American fantasy of uh you can be anything you want including pt barnum i guess Mm. which is kind of disturbing but um so yeah this this film has issues going into it and to make a biopic about pt barnum and what's worse a a a gorgeously constructed musical extravaganza where Mm. he is painted in the most flattering light possible and played by the enormously talented um, and national treasure uh, Hugh Jackman, um, and uh, and and in reality, this guy was was more akin to Danny DeVito. Uh, so mm. uh, that's no slight on Danny DeVito, but you know, if you wanted to cast two people, they couldn't have been further apart. So um, yeah, I, I, this is a this is a wild film fraught with problems even before the first. Uh, real is run how do they like is that so is that is that kind of explained away by the fact that okay this is an example of like it's it's fantasy entertainment but so was his that was what he created yeah i know like that makes it okay is that yeah yeah it's yeah super meta in that regard like when i was watching it i was like wow like how aware of 
of this were they and was this part of what they were going for and the director um whose name i think is michael gracie um he was he not because he he he's this was actually his debut film and i to be honest with you i don't actually think he's done anything not not feature film wise since uh, or before um he's this australian guy who's better known as a visual effects artist mm. um and I, I don't know how they they co- they copped on to him to direct this i think he'd done a couple of music videos so they were like well fuck it um may as well be him i think he very nearly did the rocket man which is the elton john biopic um, before he got bumped okay. um, but uh, he maybe in the hands of a more nuanced filmmaker this would have been a different film but can... where, where they, they explore that meta element of mm. this is a story told by P.T. Barnum about P.T. Barnum and of course then you're going to have this you, he's going to cast Hugh, Hugh Jackman as himself I mean if I was going to make a biopic about myself I'm 100% casting Ryan Gosling as Craig <laughs> he's just not as good looking but that's it's your problem. yeah it's your, it's your unreliable narrator right it's the, the narrator that's right. puts yeah. everything in their own light but there's no sense that he is narrating this story this this sense it's all outside him he doesn't I don't think he has any voiceover or um there's there's no sense that he is influencing the telling of the story which is perhaps what they intended going in if you're going to lean on that meta element of of this is how i tell my story you need you need you need to start it with a flashback to you create that sense of oh this is this is a self-serving telling of the story i mean that's that i mean that's just the just that inclusion right there where you go from like all you need is is an establishing shot or an establishing scene where there's rats running through a rubbish strewn street a street with babies crying um someone coughing because it's the 1800s and people die of pneumonia all the time um and like you know just absolute abject horridness and then you you and then you you flash to a brightly gaudy musical colored um fantasy land starring hugh jackman like just that one establishing establishing shot then nails down that idea that this is a story being told by an unreli- by an mm. unreliable narrator, mm. and um, I, I, that 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 one change elevates this film from complete fantasy to something akin yeah. to what maybe that's the problem. And I I will say this this comes back to my fr- I haven't even I haven't even talked about any of my other bullet point notes here. But this comes we're still on uh, audiences versus critics. I think that one one change takes that audiences versus critics argument a little bit further audiences love this movie like they fucking love this movie this movie made so much money and it made so much money from positive word of mouth and and it made even more money when it came out on fucking dvd and uh, video on demand in fact it broke records Mm. for how many times people downloaded this shit on video paid paid to download this shit on vod um that ultimately the difference came between the people who knew a little bit about the historical person and the people who didn't give a shit because this was a crowd pleasing film yeah and uh, i think that that one scene maybe gets maybe gets the the i, I don't want to say the unwashed masses um on, on are you gonna say it anyway the, yeah the, <laughs> that that one thing gets the unwashed masses on board with the critics mm. the historically mm. historically literate, literate critics anyway there's a really um, good there's a really good line at the start of braveheart um a voiceover line where you're you're establishing yep. um, Willie Wallace as the narrator, and he he has a line where he says, um, 
history will say I am a liar, um, but history is written by um, uh, the vic- the victors. It's something right. like it's something like that. I'm misquoting it, but it's like this is not how William Wallace is treated in history. Yep. But history is written by the people who kill and, people like William Wallace, and so it just it takes that it says it acknowledges it, and in that one line, poof, now we can get yep. on with the movie. Now we can get on with the movie, and and all of you people who know a little bit about actual history can shut the fuck up because yes. um, you can we'll all, establish straight up off the bat. Chill. We're not going for realism. Yeah. yeah. So uh, well, this, there you go, Mike. Uh, that that's been uh, verging on greatness with next year movie. <laughs> that's a pretty. So I do I do um, while we're while we're on the character of Barnum, I um, so in, in terms of the the way he reflects the real Barnum, um, so that's obviously problematic, um, and they fail to they fail to kind of um, deal with deal with that in a way that fits what they're going for with that meta kind of. Um, unreliable narrator i also find him he doesn't quite i feel like what they're going for is a willy wonka-esque kind of magic i wrote down Mm. willy wonka in my notes where he's just got this um he's he's like an alien from another planet he's like ford prefect in the um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where he, he acts like a human but he's just got this almost otherworldly way of thinking and looking at the world that that charms you and that draws you in um uh which um uh uh, willy wonka uh, does to to um perfection um and uh, certainly in at least in the first movie where there's always always that sense of magic and he just draws people along even if and there's another guy who objectively does terrible things allows terrible mm. things to happen to children oh yeah those um, poor kids but he's got he's got a a magical sparkle about him and i feel like they're going for that with the character of barnum but he he never quite nails it and, and it's and the scene you pointed out is a good one where the first one the first one where he's trying to convince and this is setting him up this sets up that whole sequence um that whole pulling the band together sequence where he's yep. he's figured out what's, he's figured out what's going to make us make this thing tick it's swinging and it's the start of the second act and he's pulling together all of his people and the very first one he pulls together is the what's his what's his what did you say his name is a uh, dog boy the, no it's the, or the, the tom, dwar- thumb. tom general thumb. tom thumb general tom thumb he's the one he's, he's the first one that he convinces um and he, the way he convinces him he says you you said it uh they're laughing at you now. They're you laughing might as well at get you. Paid. You may as well get paid. But he's yeah. still, he's still not convinced by that. And then he's he's leaving. And then he comes out and says, "All right, I'll do it." There's no, yep. there's no kind of magical thing where, where they're just, "Oh man, this this guy's charm, I I cannot resist." There's that irresistible magic that Willy Wonka has, um, that I, I I think they're going for. And I don't think it's I don't think it's Jackman's fault. I think he's fantastic, um, but I think the Australia's national treasure. There's something in the there's something in the character that is, is missing where they don't quite um, they don't quite pin him down. They do. It's better in the so you talked um, about the I think this was off air. You talked about the scene where um, he is winning over Zac Efron's character. Oh yeah, the bar scene. That is closer right there is a real back and forth and a um a magic 
to that scene um which i think is more of what they're going for but that comes you know that's already like uh like well not quite a third of the way more than a third of the way it's well you're well through the sec well into the second act by that point and i feel like the that's the first time when you really see him even even the first scene where he's winning over the girl the very first scene winning over the girl you think that's going to be something special right that's that's his that's his killer moment that's his his moment to save the cat where you're going to go you're going to fall in love with this guy just like um it's charity isn't it just like charity does and he he, he fools around with a cup and pretends to be sipping tea it's yeah it's not enough <laughs> you you need to knock knock those scenes out of the park. Yeah. That's the one you need, where you need to bring some better fucking game than fooling around pretending to drink some tea here, Hugh Jack. You need to be Gene Wilder hobbling out on your walking stick, falling over and into a and roll. Bombing into a bombing into a somersault forward roll and up on your feet. That you know? Bang! Yeah. Nail it. Boom. Yeah. Nail, Nail that it. shit. That's your chance. Those are the chances to make Barnum the center of this to nail that character and they they fall flat and it's not until not until the one with zach efron where you really feel like he has that winning charm that fridges to to literally sell yeah you sell ice to eskimos and um uh just just talking about that scene when he's a kid and he's trying to win over um uh, baby michelle um i forget her name michelle something or other uh michelle williams uh, there you go. Um, when he's trying to uh, win over Michelle Williams, um, and and the dad the dad slaps him across the face. The old yeah. the, the Michelle yeah. Uh, did you like me? Just go whoa, buddy. Uh, he's gonna grow up to be six foot four, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> Hugh Hugh Jackman, in case you don't know, is sometimes refer- referred to as Huge Jackman um, <laughs> because he is fucking jack and seen um, him on the cover of the wolverine yeah, movie of the wolverine movie he's gonna fuck up your shit <laughs> he's gonna come back and he's gonna go all fucking wolverine on your ass like don't slap that kid he's gonna remember it he he's is gonna the, come back you're gonna be old he's he is the fuck un- you up. unrealistic body stereotype <laughs> for for men in the in the in the 2000s oh my god don't 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 anger him <laughs> he's only gonna come and kill you what's wrong with you yeah i kept waiting for him to i kept waiting for him for hugh jackman to slap the dad back like for him to turn back up as a as a big ass guy and go i remember you slapped me across the face what bam straight in the mouth but have you no. have you heard that have you heard that um comparison that sidebar about hugh jackman how like you're all through the 80s and 90s the the movement was about realistic body body shapes for women um, but instead of uh, going for equality by putting women yeah, we with realistic with body Jackman. shapes on screen, yeah. we we went for equality by putting men with unrealistic body shapes on all it? the time as well. So now you don't see a man with his shirt off in a movie unless he is fucking jacked. Jacked, absolutely jacked. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's, I that was how we, quality, that right? was how Hollywood solved solved that problem. That's how Hollywood solved the problem. Yeah. Oh, what we need is some like absolutely jacked up guy <laughs> on screen. Yeah, it was bad enough that we had Sylvester. I mean, that was. I mean, just a sidebar. I mean, in the eighties, you had like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They 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 really kind of set the scene for that um, for that shirt off, oiled up, um, you know, muscular, um, you know, uh, leading mm. man. Like that was basically 
all the Arnie and Sylvester Stallone films. And then in the late late 80s, you got some you got some diversity in there. You got some Jean-Claude Van Damme. He turns up with his shirt off a bit. And then there's a whole bunch of director VHS films um, where all these guys are like 80s fit. But then, and then the same into the 90s, um, where, where I think you, you get the John McClane's where it's okay to, to, to have a more realistic body shape, uh, yeah. know, a la Bruce Willis. But then something happens. And then like the Marvel movie effect um, and the superhero effect kicks in. Now they're all uh, demigods shirtless yeah. demigods and um i mean like the the, the prime example of that has got to be dwayne johnson the rock i mean yeah. I, I, how he is the size he is i can only assume he is either genetically gifted or he has got the best anabolic steroids on the market because he is like the shape and size he is is unbelievable um if you see the if you see the if you see the the um pictures of him in the hercules movie he did in the in the mid 2000s the mid late teens um he is he is not a rock he is a boulder he Mm. is just unbelievably big Mm. um but yeah all the marvel films are like that all the dc films are like that you look at look at this kind of shape ben affleck got into for the for the batman movie Mm. he's not he's not a schlubby he's not a fat guy but you know he's he's got he's tall but yeah him as him as batman jesus christ like what the hell happened to you ben affleck (laughs) The kind of shape they must get into. They must be putting chickens onto the endangered species list with the amount of pre- uh, protein that they're eating. Peas everywhere are shitting in their pants because, like, the amount of pea protein that they must have to bloody consume. Anyway, sidebar. But yeah, okay, cool. Hugh Jackman. He comes back as an adult. Rocks that guy's world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so story. We should talk about. We should talk about the story. Um, should we? Okay, so fine. it's uh, Rex to Riches story he's a poor he's a poor you know he's a lower class guy he's a poor boy falls in love with a um a A rich girl rich girl uptown girl um yeah you know and obviously decides that he's going to make it his life's work to um elevate himself in terms of status so that he can can win this girl i want to date a rich girl okay cool okay good good on you um and do it through song and dance and the exploitation of of miserable people yeah yeah so he actually so he does it through Working on the railroad. Yeah. It's like a, he, he talks his way into a, talks his way into an office job working on the railroad and he kind of works his way up. Um, and, uh, to pencil pusher. He's a, he's a pencil yeah. pusher and he's able to, um, he's able to win her through that, but then he's made bankrupt. They have, they have two daughters, uh, but then he's, then the company goes bankrupt and he's out of work and, um, but he's got he enough, uses, he's got he enough money. Time honored tradition of, uh, fraud and yeah. craft he manages to talk his way into getting a bank loan um through, fraud. through us through a scam through fraud um from some paperwork that he's taken from because the company that's gone if bankrupt. life has taught me anything like is if you can't if you don't have the brains or the good fortune to be born into a rich family steal it <laughs> which is and that's hey that's that's who the, that's who the character is that's a, that's an example of some bad stuff that he's i guess done. that's what they want to go for right like this is the kind of guy he is anything to to succeed at any cost yeah so um, in another movie he's a bond villain so yeah he inve- so he invests the money in the wax museum um but uh, one of his daughters has the sense to point out that he needs something alive and then he goes from the wax museum to uh the freak show he gets the freaks together um he hires a snazzy um assistant 
and um, so the second act is really them um, singing and dancing and um, being a big success there are a lot of people who think they are disgusting and should be shut down there's a critic who thinks it's all uh, lies um, and um, and kind of embellishments which it partly is and partly isn't well I mean uh, that's one of the the historical things that's kind of funny is like um, someone says oh you know if it doesn't it needs to be more fantastic so he he starts to invent things um, like the the mermaid the Fiji mermaid Hmm. Um, so he was like he 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 was the guy that came along, or, or rather, he was the pop one who popularized it. I'm, I'm sure people had done it before him, where he he mated like part of an animal carcass to a fish, and went, "It's a mermaid," and then charged hmm. money for people to look at it. Um, or um, they talk about it, and I think I don't know if they show it or not, but that was a real thing. He did that. Um, and the other thing that it happens in the background, but it's another thing he's famous for is he didn't have zebras, so he painted stripes on horses. Hmm. Um, so and they have horses drawing one of his carriages painted up like zebras and and one, I think Michelle Williams walks over and and puts her hands on it and and, and touches the horse and goes you know and it's like drawing attention to it for the audience's sake, um, but yeah that's a real thing he 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 really did that um, like that's the kind of thing that that he did he mm. presented the reality the reality in the world that he wanted people to see, um, and people paid money to see it anyway sorry sidebar carry on. So the I guess through the second act the story becomes okay he's he's succeeded he's got what he wanted he's yeah he's, he's rich he's bought he's a big house making money you know, he's bought the big house his kids are going to fancy ballet classes yeah um but he but he's still he's still he's an doesn't outsider. have the class he's, not he's still accepted. an outsider the kids can go to the ballet lesson but they're not yep. accepted by the other kids and, yeah you can take you um, can take the kid out of the Bronx or you can take the kid out of the slums but you can't take the slum out of the kids yeah exactly and um, yep. we. Craig and I were, were talking off air, trying to, like tossing around different movies that play on that. It's because it's it's the inevitable place where you go for your rags to riches once they once they've achieved the riches, but the the old money still sees will never accept the rags. The they will money. never yeah. they will never accept it. And this is played out in in a bunch of different ways. Um, mm. and, and so he's he, the the rest of the movie is about him working hard to to become a genuine. Uh, in, seller of inter, purveyor of entertainment of quality entertainment so the yeah, first thing the, the, his trading first, places right yeah his first step that, towards that is hiring hiring zach efron the the as a who is a playwright who also yeah. doesn't like the snobs um but he fits in among them he was he is born into snobbery. he's one of them yeah um so he's gonna he's gonna be how he's gonna help him out and then um the the second half of the movie is about um his pursuit of a um talented opera singer that they meet um visiting the queen of england for some reason yeah played um, by played by rebecca ferguson um and and a real life person jenny lind a, mm. a scandinavian or or a swedish opera singer was did, was she really connected to barnum no so i mean that's one of the many liberties that this oh, film takes okay. is that the whole love triangle the 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 second act subplot about um him having an almost affair with jenny lind while michelle williams has left home uh was completely invented for this movie okay yeah um yeah and something about the i kept looking for wanting them to bring something fresh to that rags to riches um setup and but it kind of plays out inevitably and um, we, we weren't able to put our finger on ex- exactly the movie that plays it out in just this way. Uh, if, if you think of one, 
uh, let us know. Um, but there's a there's a scene where he is he's uh, celebrating the success of um, uh, his his first concert with Lind. Um, so yeah, not and, only is he not only is successful and he and it's and the show's success, the critics like it. So the critics mm. are like, oh, this is good. So he's got that critical acknowledgement that he's looking for. Mm. But also the high class society, the snobby people, they like it. Yeah. And so he is yeah. now accepted as one of their own. So he has finally reached his pinnacle form, right? This yeah. this successful, critically revi- critical critically acclaimed and socially accepted yeah. person so he's invited he's invited his freaks to um attend they all have they all have standing tickets at the back um so they're all you know he's already putting them out of sight and then yeah. um they attempt to come as the people who have got him to this point who have to the who after have party achieved the, the other people who have achieved the the success they were the the ground of his success the the base um, yeah. They expect to be able to come backstage and join the after party, but he shuts them out. Uh, and literally I, shuts them out. He literally shuts the door on them and prevents them from coming in because he's he's embarrassed by them and and they are going to um, take him away. Uh, they're they're going to embarrass him in front of the snobs. Um, yeah, which is which is is kind of a, a tale out of. It feels like a tale out of the the high school movie where the 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 dweeb has become popular with the help of the other dweebs. Um, uh, doesn't want to doesn't want the other dweebs coming to the party it's the sports movie where the the misfits have achieved success on this boarding pitch but they're, they're still kind of they're still rough around the edges and there's there's the the kind of hero has the chance to get into the higher society because they can they can play tidy um, mm. and, and they there's a point where they need to ditch ditch the people who got them there because, You're not thinking. We're, we're not down. thinking of Mean Girls, are we? Because that kind of happens in Mean Girls. Where have you seen Mean Girls? I haven't. Oh, okay. Like, then it's definitely not that what you're thinking of. But that literally happens in Mean Girls, where Katie becomes popular and then she shuts out her two weirder friends um, to to party with the popular kids. And um, there's a there's a the second act lullas when when she realizes that she's she's cast aside the people that got her where she is. Yeah, so which knows, yeah, which yeah. again, literally, is in, literally this, but inevitably, this the snobs, the snobs turn away. The, um, when when the person comes to need something and they go to the snobs, the snobs don't want to help them, but they've already turned away the yeah. Um, the, the I mean, pe- you said it. You said it off air. The, the Simpsons well. does this as well. The Simpsons yes. has an episode like that's it does it it does it better. I mean, the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, talk, I say that like I'm surprised, but I shouldn't be. The Simpsons is fucking fantastic. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about the episode where Marge um, buys a Chanel dress in a yeah, like a right. dime store, um, yeah. and she uses it to ingratiate herself into high society. And in doing so, she tries to bring along um, Homer and the kids, but they are Homer's too boorish, Bart's too cheeky, and Lisa's too political. Um, and there's a scene where they're trying to she she won't let them she won't let Homer drive them up to the house where the party's at because their car's too embarrassing and she makes them all walk up the hill and she tells them all off for the way that they are talking about behaving. And, and yeah, Homer's got this, this line, you kids should be thankful to your mother now that she's become, um, I forget what, I forget the exact line. Now that she's become a decent woman, we can see, we can all see how truly terrible we are. Um, and it really brings a tear to your eye. It hits home and she, yeah. and she of course realizes that 
why is she even pursuing this? She doesn't even like these snobs, which is doesn't like these which people, is yeah. which is what it comes down to. And usually, it's, yeah. it's there's a kind of I want be, I want better for my family, which is what what um, Barnum is what he justifies it as. But of course, it's about them and their own um, insecurity because of what they were because of the way they were made to feel when they were young and poor. Um, yeah, it it's just so many of these films do the exact same thing. But anyway, and the, uh, we also talked about like the Breakfast Club does a bit of this, where they talk about this happening. I mean, it's not a new it's not a new yeah. um, I, I, theme. Like this this theme happens again and again and again in films. Um, I was yeah. just thinking as well, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy um, and uh, Dan Aykroyd does literally is this film is is the rags to riches mm. born and uh, you know is it are you born with it are you bred with it um or is it you know something you earn um a lot of films play with these stories um anyway yeah you, you mentioned my fair lady as well yeah my fair plays, lady is this plays as well. the same yeah thing. she's I, all that yeah, yeah yeah i really love the yeah. breakfast club i talk we talk about the breakfast club a lot on the podcast but i i think <laughs> yeah i think of that scene that scene a lot so that obviously because they're all in the one place they can't actually play it out but they talk about it they t- and it's a fantastically written scene uh, it goes on for about ten minutes, I think. Just them sitting, it does. Around, they talk sitting about, around talking. Would you, would you, would you say hello to me in the hallway tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. the whole the the passage of that writing. It's like it's it's written like a stage play, but the yeah the the it is and, a stage play. You can you can you can purchase the script really for the Breakfast Club. Yeah, the, um, the peaks. Someone the, someone we both know in Auckland put um, basically put it on as a passion project for themselves, um, and I did the I did the photo for the the publicity oh. shot. Um, and we we had to restage the famous Annie Leibovitz photo. Mm. Um, they wanted that photo restaged, that which is on the cover, which is them all yeah. set together on the cover. Um, and I I said like we're just taking a photo of of an Annie Leibovitz photo, um, and like that's I, I felt that that was a little bit uh, creatively bankrupt. Like don't just take Annie Leibovitz's photo. Yeah. Um, why don't we take a different photo? And I, we did. We took a different photo with them all set in this this junk room. But anyway, um, I, I thought that was the better photo, but it's not. The photo. <laughs> anyway. um, um, I thought other movies. I thought about a Knight's Tale that um, oh, yeah. does this, where he's um, yeah he's trying he's trying to fit in with the snobs, and they also sometimes they do it to get the girl, but then they get the girl, and then they keep doing it anyway, which is what which is which is what happens in the greatest showman he has the girl by the end of the first musical number um, yeah i mean even even movies like the karate kid kind of have this play at, at it as well the original karate kid from the mm. 80s where where it's this, the snobs versus the 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 um the kids from the, from the street yeah and it's this whole idea of, of them like the kid from the street reaching up into the into the snobby world to, to something a little bit greater than what he is but um, even Rocky to a, you know, even taking, mm. I mean, this is a sports movie all over again, but you know, it's the same anyway. Um, we should probably move on, but, um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just, even... I just wanted them to, I wanted them to bring something, bring something different to something that, but new. it felt like it was, yeah. it felt like it was playing out in kind of an inevitable way. Um, and then he leaves, he leaves the freaks on their own and, the I just get, just to get to the end of the story, the, the, um, the, the circus building burns down, um, and they're, they're all kind of left with nothing and they have to rebuild from from zero Man, if only he had bought insurance <laughs> yeah real insurance real not insurance those, not those magic beans 
Yeah. Curse you, magic beans. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, you've got, me on, you've got like me on the Simpsons now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and and you're absolutely right. Like it, um, and it gets the the, the movie, the the uh, the the circus, the the theater burns down. Uh, Jenny Lind um, abandons him to go back to Europe because uh, he he rebuffs her her advances, um, and um, he's left a broken man with nothing to his name. And then um, while they're standing around outside, and he's finally getting the critical support, or he's getting some 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 loving insight from the critic that has has plagued him um they, they come up with this cunning scheme to use big top tents and cheap land down by the docks mm. um and uh cue cue the big final act number where everyone's laughing and happy um he's he's managed to marry up his differences between work and family and he attends his daughter's recital at a, at a big fancy um ballet recital riding an elephant um because he's pt motherfucking barnum <laughs> Um, and uh, cue, cue the cue the final uplifting song, um, and that's that's the movie. What do you make um, of the Jenny Lind? So bizarre. Line? So so even 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 Rebecca Ferguson being in this film. So one fun fact: Rebecca Ferguson is actually Swedish, but she has an English accent because she she moved to London when she was young. Hmm. Um, two, she can sing. Um, but three, they voice dub her. Four, uh, she actually sang the songs live on set. Uh, uh, and so, uh, and five, the woman that actually does the voice for Jenny Lind, the singing voice, is this um, really accomplished singer. Um, I forget her name, and I don't have it right in front of me in front of IMDb right now. Uh, but she's this fantastic singer, and she she looks like an angel. Um, so why not just cast her in the first place? Um, I know why they don't cast her in the first place because you're Rebecca Ferguson, and the biggest film, um, one of the biggest films of the year before, is freaking Mission Impossible, for which she stars in. So mm. like she's this like suddenly you can throw Rebecca Ferguson in something that isn't Mission Impossible, where she isn't you know kicking people in the head. Um, she's fabulous she's she's mm. she's absolutely one of the best things about those movies and she's usually one of the better things in any of the movies she's freaking great in the uh the, the shining sequel uh dr sleep she's really creepy in that she's great do you um, do you buy the romance like no I, I, like, again what, again what attractor to what attractor what to does she see in this club but um oh i know what she sees in him it's Hugh jackman and he's ripped <laughs> um <laughs> he's a he's a delight <laughs> he's an absolute charmer just not in this film um <clears throat> and then and then th- we haven't even discussed the the um the co-stars like zach efron and zendaya that's exactly um, where i was yeah what i wanted to go to next <laughs> so so then we've got this weird like um so the b plot involves zach efron coming on and he's a snobby guy who's got this this upper class um background um, and he falls for the trapeze artist whose apparent deformity is that she's crazy fucking hot. Um, and <laughs> oh no, how She'll terrible. never fit in. Um, but there's a, there's an element of, of, she's, she's black and he's white and, but she's Zendaya. And like nowadays, like uh, to be seen out and about, uh, I don't know, um, 1800s is this racism element that they don't actually ever really kind of point at and go this, um, they kind of just circle that drain a little bit. Um, and his parents don't like her because she's not what they're expecting because she, you know, she doesn't have freckles and red hair. Um, but um, uh, I don't know. She's it's, it's I weird. Just, it's weird though. It's isn't so it? weird. Like, she's, Im- she's implied. It's implied that she is with the other trapeze. That, artist. The other trapeze artist, or the, he's super protective of her for whatever reason. But yeah, just throw on that pink wig and let's go. 
um, because you know, she she and him definitely feature quite heavily in the marketing for this film because yeah. they are both blowing up at that time. And um, is she she's uh, just done. Should I Sorry. know who she is? She's uh, yeah, she's everywhere uh, and she's in everything. Um, most most people probably most uh, well outside of this, most people will know her from the Spider Man movies. So she's she plays Mary Jane in the in the mcu spider spider-man movies but she's also in um she's also in dune which comes out this month um gosh she's she's really absolutely in everything this is this is why we shouldn't we shouldn't do movies that have come out in the last 10 years because it (laughs) reveals that i've watched nothing (laughs) nothing but disney movies since my first son was born you want to talk about moana i'm 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 there i'm all there for that. that right 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 I'm just trying to. I'm just trying Ice to uh, think. Ice Age, you're there for that. Um, I'm not sure how she became famous, but she's she's definitely crossover artist where she's where she sings, she's a model, she's an actress, um, she's everywhere. She's social media. Um, I get the feeling she's kind of her. She's kind of her own thing. So she's basically made it herself um yeah but she is her breakout oh she was in casey undercover she so she is a disney star she um yeah uh it's funny for 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 me the scene between her and zach efron their musical number together is probably the most memorable musical number in the the one on the 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 one where they're flying up where they're flying up in the air yeah, the kind of it, it plays with uh, again a stage a stage show kind of setting where they're they're using like heavy bags and ropes to kind oh, of swing, yeah, she's going swing up, up and, and down. swing up yeah. and down and, and through the air. Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah, fantastic. I, I feel like that's I feel like that's the standout. That's the one that I'll remember. This I, movie, I like this movie the bar for. scene, the bar scene where he's where out uh, and like there's little details in that bar scene with between Hugh Jackman and and um, Zac Efron where. Um, he's short pouring his drinks but pouring big drinks for zach efron or he's not drinking his drink like there's just little details where he's trying to get him drunk so yeah. he'll agree to this cockamamie scheme yeah um and um it, i just felt like that was kind of magic and this is this whole i'm leaving yeah. i'm staying i'm coming i'm going um let's call the whole thing off um i i thought that was pretty good i mean i'm, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge musical fan but i thought that as as a stage production that was fantastic but having said which all of the musical productions all of the music set pieces in this film are on point like 100 percent um the the very bread and butter of this film are the, are the musical production numbers and and the and the dance numbers um and it's really anytime there's dialogue in this film that links these scenes together it's clunky it's awful um it's it's, it's really not good and I think that's I think that's what misses a little bit. I don't I don't think the I think they they underbake the transition dialogue, um, but then they don't use the. I mean, they yeah they look great. Um, um, they sound I'll assume, I'll assume they sound good if you're into that sort of thing, um, but I don't think the music numbers um, reveal enough about plot or character in the way that a musical needs them to do right like you you learn about so back to chicago you you learn about um like 
those musical numbers they will reveal character or they will move the story forward or both where mm. I don't feel like the musical numbers do in this I'm thinking about the one where Richard Gere is um, the number where he's um, uh, where he's got the pu- the, the puppet the, ma- the like the marionette yeah. um, um, and you're revealing uh, like about the way that he the way that he works what he does the way that he manipulates the truth yeah. but at the same time that also that scene also that musical number also moves the plot forward because you're he's showing how he does his business but then he does it at the same time as he's moving the moving as the song's moving along because he is feeding them more and more lines about this crime he's re, he's feeding them that and then they both reach for the gun line which is the the you know the chorus line of the song but then that's also the line that moves the plot forward because then that line is through the course of the musical number that's accepted by the media and then that story becomes reality but i i guess that's i guess that's good i mean i i i I can be a little bit dismissive of of the musical genre in general um and uh certainly certainly being a theater person myself like i used to be fairly dismissive of musical theater people um mostly because i felt like it was just spectacle and and song and dance and there was no actual real talent i say that uh loads of talented people who who do musical theater Uh, substance substance. yeah lack substance because it's just flash and and grandeur um but um i say that because i can't sing or dance so i'm just jealous um (laughs) but um but having said which like the good musicals um like do that um and and they they find a way like in the heights or um where where those themes and those elements are brought into play again and again Mm. and they underpin the the dramatical the dramatic parts of the story like good musicals do that whereas this doesn't um whereas this is like let's get us to the next big song and dance number Mm. um and um i uh, my my wife's gonna absolutely hate me but the 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 writer direct the the music writers the guys i think their names are joseph trapanese and john debney i forget what other show they did but um they can basically retire because of this and they had something else come out in the same year um they've written a musical or another musical or, or another piece of music and it was hugely successful um so um i forget the name of the show and i haven't written it in my notes but um hmm the 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 music the songs were all all the songs were written by these this pair um and i i forget i forget the i forget the other show they did but they, i feel they like basically retire i feel um, like the recent disney the recent disney ones do it well as well your frozens and your moana they um, yeah the, the songs the, they move things along as well the plot the plot yeah. is advanced through the songs by the end of the song something is something has moved forward in the plot where I, I don't feel like they necessarily do here. I guess, again, that one where the the scene in the bar that we've talked about a bit, that one moves the plot forward. At the start of the song, it was to, it's different from how it was at the end. I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a bit un, unfair on the music. Well, I mean, the music, the, the soundtrack for this, um, I, that's another note I made, um, was that um, the soundtrack was basically opened at number one on the Bill, Billboard 100 um, hot sellers list so mm. basically the movie was a big hit the soundtrack was was as big a hit for for album sales and um it keeps getting re-released and and people keep buying it um wow. so yeah i mean 
from a money-making endeavor like good on them um the the producer is the guy who produced wrote it's james mangold um and he he directed logan so it was clear yeah. that yeah so the this this film and and the social media behind the scenes stuff of this uh, i don't know if you watched any of that but there's a behind the scenes like how this movie got made so they they put all the producers in in the room and and got hugh jackman involved and hugh jackman had just had um surgery on his nose to remove a bit of skin cancer um so he's got this fake nose appliance on to hide part of his nose to hide the surgery where where he has and Mm. and his doctors had told him not to not to sing because um you know he just he had 72 stitches in his nose from where they put his nose back together um, and uh, and he's there, and they've got someone to do the singing parts for him. But during the the course of the the song, that's all recorded, um, and they're doing this for the producers to sell the producers on the, like this is the pitch. Um, Hugh Jackman starts singing during the the thing and, and starts bleeding from the nose and stuff. Um, and it's just from from a behind the scenes like that's almost a better story. Than- goes mm. into the freaking film <laughs> like and and like um i watched because you can watch it on youtube I'll, I'll i'll try and remember to put a link in the description for this uh, yeah uh, so you can go and find it but um that if you've ever been to a musical theater party uh that's what all musical theater parties are like they all start singing and they all think that they sound like hugh jackman in the uh, in the pitch meeting for this and uh, mm. it's, i thought it was really funny but um yeah, that, that, that's the kind of story behind the scenes of this where they convinced the people at Fox to make this movie, right. to give them money to go ahead and make it. Um, and, and this is what they crapped out. And like, <laughs> I, I, I think this is a turd of a film. Um, and it's um, and it's saved. It's so, what you, saved. so what you really think, Craig. <laughs> it's saved by the fact that like um, the performances and the set pieces are fantastic. Like, I can't fault... I mean, the, the, the Zendaya and Zac Efron... Um, uh, uh, diversity, like it's that that thing I hate where you've got like uh, couples of, of different of different races, and and that is the conflict. Like the conflict is the fact that she's black and he's white, and they come yeah. from two different worlds, and it's clunky as fuck. And that's 2017. And you're trying to make a movie about inclusive inclusivity and diversity, um, and because you've got this guy in the White House at the time who's just the biggest fucking Cheeto dick breath guy you've ever fucking met. And, um, and, and and so you've got these movies that are like, hey, we can all come together and despite our differences, we can succeed. Uh, we, yeah, okay, cool. But like, it's done so clunky and it, it's just, it, it's a tack on and it doesn't need to be there. And it makes this film 20 minutes longer than it actually needs to be. In fact, it's not a long movie. It felt like it was three hours long. It's an hour and 43. It felt I three agree. hours long, Mike. Three when hours. I was, when I, when I sat down to watch this movie, I thought, oh, fantastic. So often I'm watching these movies quite late because I'm, I wait until after my kids are in bed and I thought oh fantastic this movie's only only an hour and a half I'm going to knock this straight out man it was long it felt man, long it's a right? long watch it's a long watch um, and it's just clunky uh, it, the songs and everything is great um, I agree uh, with I, you on I, the on the, on the Zac Efron like they have no reason to fall in love either other than that to they're crazy hot they're crazy hot them. yeah yeah yeah, why are we why are we attracted to each other? Oh, we're both super attractive. Okay, cool. <laughs> really, really right. good lucky. Yeah. What happens so, what happens tomorrow? Uh, they work out they've got absolutely nothing in common and they've got no <laughs> conversation. That's what happens tomorrow. Great neck naked sexual charisma, nothing else on top of that. So Well no, we've run over our hour, Craig. You, you oh, said you have you said like you have more notes. What else this. what else do you want to touch on? What are your what are um, your top, I've said your here uh, this this movie felt like it started as a back of the napkin idea that somehow or other got made. 
So I feel like <laughs> I feel like someone was standing around, and I think this is a true story. Actually, I think I think because uh, Hugh Jackman hosted the Oscars in like 2015 or something like that, and he did a song and dance old school old school Hollywood thing. And I bet you someone I, I think the story goes that like someone was like, "Oh, you're like P.T. Barnum, and um, you're like a three ring circus uh, um, performer. You're like you're really running the show." And um, and and someone kind of went, "Hmm, uh, and we can make a movie about P.T. Barnum starring uh, Hugh Jackman. That's a that's a go picture right there and i feel like that's how this movie started um uh, i said for a movie but, that's yeah, that, that, is, your... that is making movies now about people whose names you've, hear, you've have, heard of. you have some like, recognition just make, I feel music, like somebody... just make a musical about them are they are they scumbag yeah it doesn't matter so it feels it feels like someone like could walk into a room at these point and go at this point maybe not with it with an adolf hitler like style um person but maybe someone could come or a joseph stalin like those well-known people maybe someone walks into a room and goes Pol Pot, a story about an art student who who rises to rule the country. Like that's a great movie. Let's make that movie. Let's make Rags, a movie about Pol Pot. Rags, Rags to, to riches. riches. Yeah, he goes to school in France and comes back to his country to rule it. Yeah, and then like and then yeah, I feel like we're we're about five years away from that actually happening. Um, uh, I said I said for a movie about letting your freak flag fly, it's very pedestrian. <laughs> So there's there's no freak flags to be flown, and all the people who um, and I, I'm sorry for the use of the word freaks. Um, that's in context with the film, but for a film that's about diversity and, and accepting about accepting things that are other to yourself or different to yourself, everyone's gorgeous. Everything fits together nicely. All the circus performers that aren't the bearded lady or dog boy um, are in like um, are are gorgeous human angels. And the only thing weird and beautiful, the only thing weird or freaky about them is how freaking beautiful and in shape they are. Mm. Uh, they do not look like humans anymore. Um, I, I, yeah, I made yeah, a note I about th- Rebecca, Fer- Rebecca Ferguson's voice being dubbed. She's in it because M.I. was a big hit. Um, mm. I, I said also that I felt like the three act structure was broken because they had two, they had several low points and it was like, I felt like, and then they squeeze in this weird third act upbeat moment, and it's just it doesn't seem to fit. Um, oh, I also I, I also said that. Uh, sorry, my last note is um, Jenny Lind, the real life person, much like P.T. Barnum was done was done dirty by this film. So they make her out to be this 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 um, house home wrecker, but she was anything but. <sighs> Yeah, nothing, nothing about that. Nothing about that plot strand adds up. It's nope. It's, it's just there. Probably seemed it's like there. it would it's, be all right on paper, but I kind of feel like it was there because that's kind of what happens in these biopics, right? Like if you look at uh, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash story, like you need that that love triangle where the, the where the wife is holding him back from being the best Johnny Cash he can Johnny Cash, and so mm. you need him to get on to uh, I forget her name. Um, uh, but she, you know, you need, you need, you need that holding him back. He needs to get free of that to move on to oh, the to next June. phase. Of, yeah, to June, to June Carter Cash. Um, and I felt like that was kind of what that was like. And then they needed that, like the the ultimate stakes is that he's going to lose everything that he loves, which is that idea that he really wanted to be with Michelle Williams. He really wanted that family with the big house. And he's going. He's he's almost willing to give that all away so that he can have this this wife, uh, this this soprano singer wife who is um, already in the upper classes. Uh, she's already the snob that he wants to be, or she's already accepted by those. And he will finally have this life, this other fanciful life that he he wants 
he wants to have but then realizes he's already got the big snobby house <laughs> so yeah. he just goes back to his big snobby house and rides a fucking elephant to his kid's recital <laughs> so it's like okay cool so i'm not really sure what you gained or lost there movie bt barnum but good on you i guess Fine. yeah what don't yeah. know i don't know uh this movie is wild um and wildly popular with people um and wildly po- i don't even want to say with a certain kind of person but my wife she's huge into musicals she didn't like this so um right i, I feel i feel like there's a, i feel like the whole movie is so freaking meta at this point that anyone that has any inkling of history doesn't like this movie because they know what pt barnum was like and they realize that they've just hmm. whitewashed not even and there's white savior elements to this as well the, the white whitewashed this this history yeah. with pt barnum and and my final Able, able-bodied straight white man able-bodied straight white the, man comes to the comes rescue. to the rescue teaches all these people how to people and um and in, in doing so does some jaunty musical numbers and everyone gets rich and lives a happily ever after except they don't he gets rich uh, and they all stay poor um mm. and um i i feel like this movie works a hundred times better if it's not pt barnum or you manage to scrub his name from the from the record um and uh, mm. ah, this movie's terrible <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think you've, you've pretty much answered my last question, which is oh, which is, is it verging on greatness. It it certainly is. Um, it it hundred percent is, Mike. It a hundred percent succeeds at everything it wanted to do. It's a huge hit. It it's it's the music is still playing. This music will probably outlive the both of us. It's it's ten years away from being turned into a West End phenomenon, uh, which they slightly rewrite to fix some of the problems. Um, and they do a lot of the stuff that we, um, the fantastical stuff that they achieved with computer graphics, they do that for real on stage. Um, and it's, it's a huge success and it runs forever. Um, I'm surprised they haven't done it already. Uh, but, um, they they have made a musical of PT Barnum, but Mm. uh, that's another story. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, this is this succeeds for all the wrong reasons uh, and despite itself and the fact that the director has gone on to do nothing else um despite this being a huge hit it was the 20th biggest film of 2018 it it, gosh it beat out the kingsman golden circle um cars three 50 shades darker um but you know does get beat out by boss baby so i mean that's that's something i suppose (laughs) Oh, God. 2017 was a real oh bad my God. year I for Hollywood. Talk about this. I could talk about this movie. Uh, and that's another thing. I, I mean, I, I want to stop talking about this film. You know, I'm going to read some of the films that come out, the, the biggest hits of 2018. And I want you to tell me, 2017-2018, uh, tw- I want you to tell me what they have in common. Okay, you ready? Star Wars Episode Eight: well, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Mm. Spider-Man Homecoming. Wolf Warrior 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Thor Ragnarok. Th- Wonder Woman. Uh, Coco. Pirates of the Caribbean. It. Justice League. Logan. Transformers. Kong Skull Island. Boss Baby. Dunkirk. War for the Planet of the Apes. And at 21, The Greatest Showman. What do those films have in common? All those films. Sequels and reboots. Sequels, remakes, and reboots. So uh, there was of that list looking at them uh the only original ips are coco and 
um, The Greatest Showman. That's it. Oh, and yeah. Dunkirk. Yeah. So of of the twenty one films in twenty seventeen, only three of them were original properties. The Greatest Showman was one of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rest of them are sequels or reboots. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's an original property. Yeah. I want to hate this movie more, but I can't. Also, <laughs> I feel credit. with a better director or with a slightly slightly longer in the oven, this movie becomes a bit more meta, which I think fixes a lot of the problems with yeah. it. Um, and Or you need to remove P.T. Barnum from it and just make it a P.T. Barnum-esque character and try, like you haven't said it in any sort of realism anyway, put it in, like, just, just forget the earthly confines of it and just tell some fantasy story that's based mm. on the life of P.T. Barnum. Like, mm. that's a better film. Like, based why on, bother? Like, just a, a, a circus <sighs> leader, a circus leader from, like... 19th century oh, yeah. I'm sorry people if I've upset you I know this movie is super popular amongst um, some people like they still have screenings of it they have sing-along sessions where you can go along and sing along um, it's just uh, yeah sorry sorry it's a decent <laughs> it's a decent film just it sucks it's so bad <laughs> okay I am not watching this again <laughs> I think we should wrap this up fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> It's it's greatness. Sorry, it's I'm sorry. It's the worst kind of greatness. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Oh my god. It's the equivalent of cotton candy and bubblegum. Like you can chew on it for days, you don't get anything from it. Anyway. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you, Tom. Done. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Nice uh, like and subscribe. Thank you for listening. Play with in the comments. No, we're not. Um, yeah, if you got a movie, if you got a movie that you think uh, uh, you want to hear us talk about, then uh, drop it in, uh, drop it, up, drop it to us on the socials. Yep. Um, There's Twitter out there somewhere at, at verging on greatness. I think. <laughs> yep. Um, Comment in the in the section below. Hit us up on SoundCloud. Like <laughs> and subscribe. Yep. All that. All those yeah. things. Uh, thanks things. for listening. Um, and we'll yeah, we'll be back again. Oh, we'll be back soon because uh, we're recording this, and the next one that's going to be coming out is our Halloween themed episode. Hey, October, hey. Halloween, October, time for another double Halloween. feature. We've got a double All feature. Right. I think we've got a good one. So yeah, yeah. Cool. All, right. All right. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Bye everyone. Bye.